Welcome to Logical, the UAE's first, still the only legal podcast. I'm Tim Elliott. I'm here once again at Reef Tower in JLT with Ludmilla Yamalova. Ludmilla is the managing partner and all-round legal eagle at the Dubai-based law firm HPL Yamalova and Pleska here in Dubai. And it is always good to be able to say good to see you. Good to see you too, Tim. And I'm glad we're still able to see each other in person. The story, Ludmilla, that is dominating news cycles around the world is our topic of conversation today. Things to keep in mind in light of coronavirus, the strain of coronavirus that we all now know as COVID-19. Things from a UAE perspective, a uniquely UAE perspective that we should all be aware of in light of this strain. It's uh, first of all, good to see that you're well uh, here as mother of two young children. I'm sure you're taking all the necessary precautions and taking them seriously. So what I wanted to do today was start with the latest UAE government advice, really the sensible stuff that we should all be doing or not doing. I mean, things as simple as hygiene, hand washing, uh, number one, making sure you cough or sneeze into a tissue uh, or your elbow if you don't have a tissue uh, and avoiding touching your face if you can. Those are the things that we really need to be starting with. Absolutely. And they are in uh, in a way basic, but at the same time also fundamental. Uh, they're basic in the sense of what well, we're talking about, just basic hygiene. And that is uh, just keeping proper hygiene, mm. cleaning our hand, hands and sneezing into our elbows and uh, and otherwise just being more mindful about um, about any potential sneezing or ailments uh, that perhaps um, in other times we would be less concerned or aware about. Um, so that's fairly basic. But what's interesting in, in the way fundamental is the extent to which the UAE government and the many authorities and um, parties uh, in, in the, the industry here, including schools, have taken how quickly they've taken this um, and how seriously they've considered this and how and the, the measures that they've put into place. Uh, quite fairly on, starting from schools. So as you mentioned, I do have two uh, small children. Mm. So in my son's school, they have been taught for the last several weeks about hygiene. And uh, they've had courses, they've had lessons, they've had instructions, uh, they've had visitors from medical facilities teaching them these rather basic but yet important aspects of just keeping good hygiene and um, sounds very simple but to me it's it's quite amazing and um, impressive because here it is my child who is four he comes home and he's teaching me and and telling me mama this is how we sneeze this is how we wash our hands and now we need to wash our hands uh, and, and and move our hands x number of times with soap before we rinse them off and so on and so forth so to me that's that's a huge example of how a serious the government here takes um, the precaution and then b the resources that they put forward to teach uh, kids and kids are the foundation of our society so if our kids are doing this and our kids are communicating this message to the rest of us then the the chain effect follows and the rest of us become a lot more aware and i have to tell you that certainly was the case with me because no one came to our office and taught us how to or reminded us uh, as to how to wash our hands but here is my child showing it to me at home so all of a sudden all of us become a lot more aware and the ue has taken these precautions quite early on 
And uh, so schools is just one example. The other example is so many circulars that have been circulated from the Ministry of Health uh, and the UAE Ministry of Health and the Dubai Health Authority and other Emirates uh, have done the same in terms of communicating uh, perhaps uh, basic but very clear guidelines in terms of okay let us let us remind you to some of the basic things of you know, how to wash your hands how to sneeze you know how to take precaution if you have fever if you have a headache or if you um, if you cough and these circulars that have been um, uh, have been visually represented uh, actually have been quite helpful and they've been circulating starting from the Ministry of Health and the Dubai uh, Health Authority uh, to uh, all sorts of real estate communities and uh, not just the schools, but um, everywhere else you go, you see more and more of these instructions of how to take precautions. So just our office building as an example, um, one day we came and there there were the sanitizer dispensers attached to the walls in the lobby and in every elevator. Mm. Uh, so again, this is somewhat unprecedented, but to me very impressive in terms of how how serious and how efficient we have been in terms of um, raising awareness and and doing something about it. Uh, so the UAE has really embraced um, these, the challenge quite quickly and um, has demonstrated its willingness and preparedness uh, to do something about it. I mean, here at Reef Tower, for example, one of the things from having the hand sanitizer in the lift, and it's the first thing you notice because I come here regularly, I didn't expect to see that in there. It served as a reminder that it's really important, uh, the hygiene aspects are important. That's right. And so since uh, as a law firm, we obviously represent a lot of clients who, for example, have real estate investments here. And it's vis-a-vis mm. -vis through their cases, we see how many other real estate communities here have followed suit and how many of them have sent out instructions to all of their residents uh, about what to do, how to behave, and have done uh, very similar things and implemented very similar tactics all throughout the um, communities, at least as, as far as Dubai is concerned. You mentioned the steps that the government has taken, the Ministry of Health circulars, for example. One of the steps that the government has taken is moving school holidays forward and enforcing a two-week home study. So effectively, schools are closed for one month. And what that does is avoids close contact or negates close contact as much as possible. And one of the things that many of the experts have noted in Italy it's the simple fact that Italians greet one another with a kiss, and that is, of course, close contact. It's a standard greeting. It happens in lots of other countries. It's not just uh, Italy. It's one of the reasons why perhaps the virus has been able to spread a little faster in the country. Um, but it reinforces the point that close contact is so important. The standing two meters away from somebody it's a very hard thing to do. It's a very hard thing to enforce. But you can see the logic, can't you? For sure. And also, there's a chain effect. And that is, for example, uh, for those uh, parents or for those who have children, uh, when you take children to school in the morning, the usual routine is that you, after you drop off your children, you go to um, the grocery store and you stack up uh, on grocery items for the upcoming day, upcoming week. And so the, obviously as, as, as a result of that, and then you go and you get in the car, you go pick up the kids. And then after that, you pick up the kids and you take them to various social activities. And once again, you go back into all these uh, public places and in, a, in much uh, uh, bigger numbers. 
And so um, now that you don't need to get in the car and drive to school, and um, uh, so it's it's the, the chain effect of reducing these kind of public gatherings uh, uh, from other public spaces, not just schools, is not to be underestimated. There's also the advice of not shaking hands. And I was thinking about this when I walked in this morning. The natural reaction is, but Miller, hi, you put your hand out, you put your hand out, you shake hands, you sit down, you talk a little bit, then we start recording. But one of the things that's really tough and very hard to predict about COVID-19 is the effect on business. And we'll try to touch on this uh, a little bit later on in this podcast. But immediately when you meet somebody in a business environment, the handshake is a standard. And I was wondering if it makes it a little bit difficult, more stilted, if you're unable to shake somebody's hands. But I did think there was perhaps not a silver lining, but it is something that you could use to your advantage. The fact that bumping elbows or touching shoes, for example, may lead to a different way of approaching somebody, a different way of initiating a conversation, the common ground of using the virus as a way to open a business meeting. I wonder if that's one way of looking at mitigating effects on business and business environments. Well, absolutely. This is um, a kind of somewhat an unprecedented, at least in the re- recent history, development that is uh, very much global, and therefore it is on everyone's mind, uh, whether you're a medical professional or yeah. or a, have, have a big kind of a news uh, follower, you know about it. And so, and it, it is truly on everyone's mind. And so, therefore, whenever you do meet someone or uh, or greet someone, that's a, that's a conversation starter, uh, irrespective of where you come from. Even, for example, obviously in law, we see a lot more contentious matters. And so even when you're talking about or trying to mitigate a dispute and such, there is this sort of a conversation starter that acts in the way as a buffer. Because in the sort of in the eye of a crisis, we're all basically on the same footing. Uh, so this, uh, in a way, um, melts the ice a little bit whenever you're dealing with in the, with a contentious situation. Uh, when you can establish a, a different common denominator, which in the way you, with, with a COVID-19, you can this day and age, uh, and it's because it's a topic that unites us all, uh, unites and distances all at the same time. Um, so yes, yeah, so it has certainly been that. Um, every conversation these days starts with that. Mm. Uh, but you know, the, the flip side of it, obviously, is that there are fewer uh, business meetings that, that perhaps do happen and people are a little more reluctant uh, to perhaps have that kind of physical contact uh, because of um, the current issues. So that's a bit of a flip side. Uh, but then the flip side to that is the um, the technology that's available to us today. And in fact, um, those who follow the stock market, that's not me, my husband, uh, he was just noting that the stock prices that are going up are those that have to do with technology that allows businesses to continue to operate. So a type of telecommuting, if you will. So anything to do with telecommuting or assisting businesses in continuing to do their business without necessarily physical contact or physical presence are now shooting through the roof. So there's always an upside to everything. Or as the saying goes, there's a silver lining to every cloud. Let's stay with the practical side of things for a moment because it's it's very important to, to get across the idea of keeping practicalities at the forefront. Let's discuss bulk buying. Online buying, uh, which is something that you can do here in the Emirates very easily. Lots and lots of people do it. And of course, that uh, mitigates the need for that 
close contact to some extent. Uh, for sure. And um, there is, as you said, there are two, two sides to um, that question. One is the bulk buying and yeah. then two, and I guess the necessity, the reasons for it, and two, the availability of options here that avoid that physical contact. Now, with regards to bulk buying, I mean, why does bulk buying happen? Perhaps for at least two reasons. One is that um, the, the populace or the uh, community believe that certain items will, um, will run out. And so that kind of leads to this panic and therefore bulk buying. That could be one reason. The other reason, especially in the context of, of this particular outbreak, is the physical contact. So some are doing bulk buying because they don't want to go back to the store and uh, rub shoulders and yeah. uh, share fluids with uh, with the greater population, obviously, because um, in, in the wake of the sort of the health uh, warnings. Uh, so that's that could be the other reason for bulk buying. Well, if that's the case uh, in the UAE, and it is one of the uh, I guess societies or communities um, that I would say is on the forefront of retail shopping experience is that most of retail these days is available online in the UAE. And we're not talking about uh, the um, uh, so beauty products and clothing. We're talking about groceries. I will tell you, compared to the US, the UAE is much, much, much ahead of um, the availability and the options available to uh, residents here to buy everything online from milk to water to sugar to um, home supplies. It's it's all available, and it's not just available from one or two retailers. For example, in in the U.S., it's obviously it's Amazon is is the number one retailer here. At almost every shop offers online delivery uh, or delivery ordering through online, uh, be it let's say Carrefour or uh, organic cafe uh, or um, any other sort of kind of bigger grocery stores. They almost all of them have either an app or offer. Uh, home delivery. So therefore, you don't really need to go to the store to buy those the, the bottle of milk. And uh, uh, and more even more importantly is that there is not, for a lot of people, it is a consideration, there isn't really a delivery charge if you buy above uh, something fairly nominal like 50, 50 dirhams or 100 dirhams, you, there's no delivery charge. Mm. This is huge as, as well because in other countries, in the U.S. being one, there's a fairly significant delivery charge which often um, dissuades people or discourages people from uh, buying uh, online. One, that's one. The other one is the timing of it. In other, in other um, countries, it, it takes a while before your delivery comes. In the UAE, the, the delivery is available on the same day basis. Um, so because of that, because there are so many options for uh, online ordering and, um, and home delivery at um, basically nominal to zero cost uh, on, the, on the sort of immediate basis, there's really no no reason for people to have to bulk up or stock up on items as they perhaps would do um, in other countries. I mean, another example that we've always had here, and, and I, as a mother of young children, have certainly availed myself many times, is um, pharmacy. So in the U.S., if my child is sick, I have to go get in the car and drive to the pharmacy to pick mm. up that particular medicine. In, the, in, in Dubai, at least... Uh, there is um, there are a number of pharmacies who deliver twenty four seven, basically within an hour at um, five either five dirham delivery or free. 
Pharmacists here, Ludmilla, are almost surprised when you turn up with a prescription to collect it yourself. Indeed, and and exactly. And so what you do is, is with the pharmacists here, you just send them a WhatsApp, for example, the prescription. They will say, okay, we'll bring it to you in the next half an hour. I mean, what a Mm. great benefit. So, yeah, at at times like this, these are the services and um, conveniences uh, which we've had and enjoyed for a number of years. But at times like this, it really highlights and kind of brings it forward the um, uh, how how I guess um, sophisticated uh, the uh, sort of technologies in the UAE are and how much they've been embraced by the by the communities here and how much we rely on them and uh, at, at, at times like this uh, they're an example of um, how our lives can continue more or less normally and in the ordinary course of business because of these conveniences that the society like this has offered to us. I want to talk to you about social media in a moment when it comes to COVID-19. There is so much information. This is all anybody is talking about at the moment. Uh, not all of that information is helpful. Whatever anybody says, garlic does not get rid of COVID-19 as much as the internet tells you that. Or, But we can all, I guess, very easily contribute to helping to calm this situation, because this is a situation that needs a calm approach rather than inciting uh, panic. And it is a situation that is frightening for lots of people. And that's really what we should all be doing. That's what the government, wherever you are in the world, whatever country you're in, really wants its citizens to be doing. Well, for sure. Panic is a very is a very scary thing because it, it leads to mob mentality. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I'll just give you one example. So um, last week here in our building in Reef Tower, there was an ambulance that um, uh, they came to the building. So And the word on the street, and wh- however it traveled to us, we don't know. So perhaps it is a bit of a rumor because we don't really have, uh, we didn't hear it from the uh, from the horse's mouth, so to speak. But that someone, the MLS came to someone in the building because they were having a hard time breathing. I mean, that in of itself is just right away. You see, you see a sort of panic in everybody's eyes, and and we are we are a, sort of a high rise building, so you could see how that that something as small as that. This could be a person with asthma. This could be not even not even a breathing problem, and mm. this could be you know, somebody cut a finger and the blood is bleeding. We don't know, but in the wake of what's going on, when you hear something like this, you could see how the panic can uh, ensue and and what. How it, what it would lead to, so you could see the mass exodus from the building, and the, i.e., the mob mentality, and these things happen, and this is human nature. So this is why it's so uh, paramount that people do um, stay calm, uh, pragmatic and realistic, but calm, and that is exactly what the governments uh, everywhere in the world are encouraging people to remember. But in particular, in a country like the UAE, because we are. Uh, a small country, uh, but quite uh, heavily populated in certain areas. Mm. Uh, so it's really, really important to stay calm and to um, uh, to be to be well informed. And that's another warning, uh, or that the government has made very clear for people to just bear in mind, and that is not to spread panic and not to spread rumors. And in fact, in the UAE, rumors can lead to criminal sanctions. Um, so it's that much more important that whatever it is that we may be experiencing, 
we don't just rush to social media and start posting uh, all sorts of statements on social media that can ultimately lead to either panic or false rumors. Uh, so um, apart from the practical uh, reason for uh, avoid doing that, there is also a legal reason, and that is just these kinds of uh, statements and these kinds of uh, actions can lead to fairly severe criminal sanctions in the UAE. So make sure not to go on social media and spread, um, I guess, rumors or sp- spread unsubstantiated information. Uh, because it's it's important uh, in particular times like this to uh, let uh, the uh, experts, so to speak, to communicate mm. with uh, the public. And that's what's important. That's really what I wanted to ask you when it came to social media. If you're in conversation with friends, it's good to be calm, to be pragmatic. It's also good policy to be that way on social media. So your advice would be, I guess, don't share anything you know isn't true, clearly. Don't put lies up there and share only sensible advice. What would your advice be? Well, I would say only reshare mm. information that's already available there that comes from from legitimate sources. So, for example, if we're talking about the number of cases or uh, the, um, um, so the, I guess, the spe- specific situation that might be kind of talked about, uh, you don't don't start creating your own content. If um, there's an article that's written, for example, from a reputable agency, then I mean, then you can rely on that. Then you can talk and 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 on the basis of that particular information, uh, or perhaps share that particular article. But I would not, in this day and age, uh, create any new con- uh, content. Uh, allegedly um, communicating or conveying one event or another. Uh, I just wouldn't because um, it's so easy to reshare that content and then and then the Chinese whispers effect uh, happened uh, all too quickly. So I'd say just stick with what's available there on the mainstream media and, um, and let, uh, in particular in the UAE, the government... Um, communicate what it believes is important to communicate through and the government here is very active in communicating with the with the public on a regular basis through their own channels their own websites their twitter facebook uh, articles written on the ministry of health uh, website so it's we are quite a quite a communicative government here in that sense so therefore i would just rely on that sort of those sources of information and only for now and be aware that Sharing isn't necessarily caring on social media, is it? But there are fines, potentially, perhaps even imprisonment in certain social media cases. So think before you post. For sure. I mean, there are fines that can go up to 3 million dirhams mm. and uh, imprisonment that can go up to three years of uh, of um, jail sentence. So it's just better, better not to uh, have to deal with those issues. Let's stay with sensitive topics. The the current, whether this is an epidemic or a pandemic, is arguable at the moment. But uh, things like this, COVID-19, do help people to focus on the more serious aspects of life. And I guess COVID-19 really sharpens the focus, for example, on something like registering uh, a will. Uh, for some people. It's also a time when people might be considering life insurance more seriously. And these are all things that, particularly if you have a family, you have dependents, these are things you should be thinking about. But perhaps at the moment, thinking about 
more carefully than perhaps you would have done a week or two ago? Uh, for sure. And um, uh, one other issue, in, in addition to the life insurance, is just the health insurance. Sure. Well, mm. the UAE uh, business sector, at least, has had a system almost throughout the, um, the entire country for a, a few years now that ultimately... Uh, requires most residents who live here to actually have health insurance. So the majority of people living in the UAE have health insurance, and that's usually done through uh, through their employers. And um, many Emirates um, now have this as a mandatory requirement that that companies provide health insurance uh, to their employees. So therefore, most of us here have health insurance to begin with, which is huge. Uh, and in fact, there is a, this is a, a, a fairly far cry uh, from what's happening in the U.S., where only about 30% of population, I think, have insurance. Uh, so, so number one, we have, most of us have health insurance, but obviously this is the time also when you think about, okay, the, the specific uh, health insurance policy that you're considering or that you have considered, you may want to upgrade it or you may at least for the future consider upgrading the health insurance to be able to avail yourself of perhaps more options. Uh, but uh, for more or less, I mean, these options um, have already been have been in existence for a long time in terms of uh, health coverage, and so most of the health plans here will will give you the necessary care that you need in cases like this. So that's a part. That's that's one aspect. But you know, this is certainly the time for people to kind of perhaps reconsider and upgrade insurance uh, if they in the past have tried to minimize that cost. Uh, so, and that would include, I will tell you, uh, insurance, for example, for domest- domestic staff, because it's one thing when your company is paying your health insurance and uh, perhaps your family, but it's another thing because your domestic staff is ultimately sponsored by you. And then it's your obligation as the employer in that case to provide health insurance. And in many cases, uh, health insurance that's available to uh, to domestic staff is um, fairly minimal and basic in its coverage, or at least a lot of people uh, choose to opt for that option. Uh, so that's perhaps the time when you think, well, these are my nannies, these are my drivers, these are my uh, cooks and chefs and people I heavily rely on for the benefit of my family. So perhaps I want to make sure that should anything happen, um, they are well covered. So that's, that's one example. Uh, now, as we're talking about health insurance, another important aspect to highlight is that the UAE, since uh, in the last basically week, has announced that uh, any kind of coronavirus um, treatment will be covered by um, any insurance in the UAE. Uh, that is, if you have health insurance, it will be covered. Uh, and this is important because there have been some discussions about whether something like this would actually be covered by health insurance, in, especially if... Uh, the virus spreads to the level where it becomes a pandemic, because I think it's still quite subjective in terms of whether it, it is a pandemic now or not quite mm-hmm. yet. Uh, so it depends on which source you rely on. But there have been discussions that apparently a lot of the insurance policies exclude coverage of anything that is uh, pandemic related. Well, since then, the UAE Ministry of Health has come out and clearly said that all insurance policies in the UAE will cover treatment of coronavirus. I mean, think about it. That's huge because you could see how 
cases like this in particular where um, there's a there's a pandemic issue that health uh, insurance co- uh, policies or companies will insurance companies will just uh, use that as an excuse not to cover but here irrespective of how your particular insurance policy is drafted the UE government has come out and said well all insurance policies will uh, include coverage uh, uh, of coronavirus. That's one. And two, the government has also said for those who do not have health insurance coverage, the treatment will still be provided because it will be treated as, as part of emergency and the same treatment will be provided even to those who do not have uh, health insurance coverage in the UAE. Again, that's uh, an unprecedented and a very uh, uh, I think it's a it's a it's a very impressive decision by the authorities, uh, and certainly one that um, should give a lot of people comfort, uh, and once again sort of dampen the, perhaps the the panic that might otherwise arise amongst those who worry about the extent of their health insurance. So much at the moment is unknown. Very little is known about COVID-19. It'll be some time before there is a vaccine. What we do know is that most people recover. It seems to be general medical opinion that the mortality rate is something like 2%. But it is an unknown. One of the other unknowns everywhere in the world, here in the UAE is no different, is the effects that this may have on daily life, but in particular on business life. And that's something I wanted to ask you about because we all have uh, our own personal obligations, our own financial obligations. Business has an obligation to pay its staff, to make its investments, to a million and one other things. It's an impossible question to answer, but just your thoughts, Ludmilla, on um, let's look at company obligations and personal obligations here. If uh things do become more difficult what is the government likely or potentially what could the government put in place to try to once again mitigate uh, the situation uh, well the business world is one that certainly requires a, a very a very kind of detailed and intense discussion yeah. uh, but before i go to that just uh, one um, one observation to make is that what we have seen uh, at, a, at an individual level, at a personal level, is perhaps um, the awareness of mortality. <laughs> and we should always be aware of it. And some of us are perhaps more aware of it than others. But we have always promoted or advocated for people here to really consider having their own wills registered. And yep. and, and it's that much more important in a country like the UAE, which where the, there's such a huge percentage of the population are expats, which be, means the people that are uh, who um, have more than one home and uh, it's so important to just remember and then many of us have come here also to earn to work and and, and have uh, build up a little bit of of um, a, a legacy or an estate for perhaps our children for our families uh, so it's so important to be to, to to be aware and to be cognizant that it's um, of, of the laws of this country in terms of you know what will happen to the estate what will happen to the family in the event something were to happen to me and surprisingly still in um, a lot of people don't really think about 
having a will and perhaps because it's um, it's um, it's an effort uh, perhaps because of the cost and and in many case, in many cultures actually it's also the superstition <laughs> they just they worry about doing a will because somehow evil will come their way and believe it or not we have a lot of clients uh, who um, in particular from Eastern Europe I will tell you the Russians um, for example they this is a, a superstition for them they will not they, they are not comfortable with the idea of doing a will because of this. Um, so the reasons are there, but at the end, because it's not really uh, the, our country, so to speak, and that is, the, we don't, many people don't even understand the laws of this country. And furthermore, there's so many different laws that are at play depending on the nationality and the residence of, um, of the people uh, in question. So uh, from a legal standpoint, the whole idea of, of um, estate and inheritance is quite complicated. And yet people don't want to... Uh, to make the the investment to um, have a clear mandate or clear um, outline or roadmap of how their estate should be dealt with or managed, and in particular their children in the event of death. So that being said, with the coronavirus spreading and people are becoming a little more aware mm. of uh, the reality of life and therefore their mortality. So we have seen an increased um, interest in uh, in going ahead with the wills. Perhaps some of these uh, clients who have, uh, for whom it's been on the back burner, um, they're now more actively interested in, in finalizing this. Um, some perhaps were start, starting to set superstition aside and, and looking at this more serious. And others are just starting to finally think uh, for the first time. And this in particular applies to a lot of younger families because, who just don't really think about it because, well, why would they think about it? Because you're so young. <laughs> but um, uh, this is becoming an issue that seems to be a lot more of interest uh, this day and age. That's at a at personal level or an yeah. individual level. Now, for businesses, uh, obviously, an outbreak like this leads to all sorts of issues, uh, many of which, at least um, at the outset, seem negative because whenever you have a crisis, obviously, crisis leads to, uh, to challenges. Uh, and it will be interesting to see and and um, some lessons can already be drawn from how other business communities are dealing with uh, with uh, the aftermath, if you will, or the effects of um, on the business community because of the of the virus. So, obviously, a lot of in as far as the UAE is concerned, we are a hub for for tourists, for events, and for trading, among other things. So, while events these days are, um, are being postponed for all good reasons, and so, but whenever you have events, you have businesses that. Um, that um, that develop around those events, and that obviously leads to um, contracts being signed and such. So now, when you start canceling events or postponing events, that's obviously affecting businesses uh, who have uh, signed contracts, be it to perform services or to deliver supplies uh, or to receive supplies. And now, when you all of a sudden are no longer able to receive your supplies because, for example, factories in China closed down. What do you do? Uh, because perhaps you, as a service provider, you have penalties that you have to pay in the event that you cannot provide those supplies to uh, the, the the ultimate uh, your to your client. Uh, or same thing with the services. If you have signed up to provide certain services, um, be it advertising, legal services, accounting, professional uh, services of any type. And uh, you've hired a whole team 
to help you deliver those services to a client. Well, now the client no longer needs those services because uh, the events for which you were going to consult them have now been postponed, uh, perhaps indefinitely. So what do you do with all these ultimately change of uh, terms and conditions uh, amongst businesses? Uh, there is a legal concept that exists um, called the force majeure. It's an old <clears throat> legal principle that has existed in most of um, of the world and in some jurisdictions like the civil law jurisdiction it's it's um, more recognized and is actually um, is, is coded in the law itself and other jurisdictions like common law it's more contractually uh, driven but force majeure really refers to an event uh, that ultimately makes performance of the obligations impossible uh, now, that's kind of the, the simple um, definition of it. And usually the performance of event has to be, the, the impossibility has to be the cause of an act that is usually referred to as the act of God. Mm. Uh, and um, this concept exists in many contracts, or at least the, the clause, but in many, in, in many countries and many businesses, especially when there's a downturn, it's often abused and it's used all too broadly. Anything that basically somehow, I guess, changes your performance or makes your performance inconvenient, then can be qualified as an act of God. And we've seen this a lot, for example, with developers. A lot of developers have had it in their contracts, uh, provisions such as, well, if the contractor or subcontractor defaults on their obligation in terms of delivering something, that is, that's considered an act of, of God. Well, it isn't so. So, and in the UAE courts in particular have, uh, over the last many years, um, hashed out that principle further, and it's fairly, it's been pretty clear anyway, but they've hashed out in terms of specific contracts, where it clearly has to really, for, for force majeure to really be considered force majeure, it has to truly be an act of God that's unforeseeable. Uh, an event that you, uh, sitting in or doing the business that you're doing, you could not have possibly uh, foreseen or predicted. Uh, one, and two, that ultimately now because of this unforeseen, unpredictable event, uh, your performance is impossible. Not just impractical or more expensive or more inconvenient, but is impossible. Um, so one, it has to be an unpredictable event, uh, a, a type of act of God. Two, your performance has to be um, impossible. And then three, and this is very important, is that it doesn't give you the carte blanche to basically never uh, never act on your obligations or to just default altogether. So for example, in the case of real estate developers, let's say if you gave me money and I, and I was supposed to deliver property to you by, um, 2020. And because of some sort of a force majeure, I, um, didn't. Well, that doesn't give me the right to, uh, to not give you money back or to not deliver altogether. So if I'm not going to deliver altogether, I have to refund you the money. And, or, uh, if, um, I, I, I can use force majeure to give myself additional time to deliver my obligations. So i.e. to build that particular, for example, property by a later date. And that date has actually, has to, uh, it has to coordinate with the length of the force majeure. So it has to comport with the term or the time that it takes for the first majeure event, for example, to uh, 
uh, to end. So let's say in the case of an epidemic like uh, the coronavirus, so the excuse I could use is that when I was not able to perform my services because of something that I consider as force majeure, i.e. coronavirus, for example, and therefore now I can delay performance of my obligations until this crisis is no more. Uh, so this it's very important to highlight those three uh, three aspects of force majeure. A, it's, it's an act of God, unpredictable, unforeseeable. Um, B, performance of the obligations is now impossible. And C, uh, now I can use it as as an excusable uh, delay to perform my obligations. Uh, so and it depends though how you know, how other businesses will use it, but it certainly is not an excuse or a tactic for businesses to just delay performance or renegotiate contracts uh, because uh, because of what's going on. Theoretically, COVID nineteen, by your definition, there fits that bill almost perfectly. Unfortunately. I, you, I'd, it's obviously a subjective opinion. We'll see how the courts um, ultimately decide this. But I would say, uh, sitting here today, yes, I would say it's this is a fair, a fair time to evoke uh, force majeure. And I'd say it's um, um, subjectively and objectively, it's um, fair to call this particular event as a form of an act of God, unpredictable act of God that should qualify as force majeure. And in fact, for example, in China during the SARS days, the courts um, back then did uh, did um, did rule that uh, SARS at the time actually uh, was um, that kind of an event that actually was a force majeure uh, for purposes of, of, of contract obligations. Similarly, in China, since the outbreak of coronavirus and the COVID-19 uh, the authorities and governments have come out and given to a lot of businesses what's called a force majeure certificate showing that this this particular event does qualify as force majeure. So if we were to draw on lessons um, from China as one example, then yes, I'd say it's reasonable to expect that the COVID-19 will be considered and qualified as force majeure. Uh, Ludmilla, final question on a day-to-day basis, a day-to-day business basis. What have we seen so far in the approach here in the United Arab Emirates? Uh, well, a lot of businesses have obviously taken serious note of what's going on and are trying to cooperate and accommodate uh, uh, their partners, their clients, their customers in the best way I guess they can at this point in time. So, for example, airlines. Uh, in um, uh, just the last few days, Emirates Airlines has announced that it will allow passengers to change their tickets up until at least March 31st free of charge. That's huge. And that's obviously because a lot of a lot of passengers will not be able to travel um, as they um, originally planned. So the airlines in this case are offering uh, free of charge ca- uh, ch- changes to their tickets and sometimes even cancellations. Uh, so that's one example. The other example of also of hotels and other hotel type providers like Airbnb, for example, has announced that they too will um, uh, allow a lot of the reservations to change reservations free of charge, uh, qualifying reservations. Um, so that's another example. And then um, in some cases, uh, companies are starting to send employees home, uh, perhaps for either half pay or no pay. 
uh, just because they're not able to pay their salaries. Uh, so we're also seeing now uh, businesses starting to renegotiate, for example, their lease agreements, um, their office space, uh, rent, uh, or perhaps any other kind of obligations they have with their suppliers. So it's it's happening and it's necessary that, it, that these discussions do take place where they're inevitable and it's necessary that businesses collectively... Uh, understand um, the, um, the sort of the severity of the issues and that, and then try to meet each other somehow halfway and, and offer some kind of concessions and and uh, flexibility. Uh, now it will be interesting to see how banks react because a lot of businesses, in particular in the UAE, have bank loans, fairly, fairly substantial bank loans, which um, are, are um, uh, based on monthly repayment obligations. And so if businesses are starting to see severe downturns in their uh, monthly revenue streams because of the outbreak, obviously that's going to affect their ability to pay uh, their loan obligations to the banks. So it'll be interesting to see how the banks react, uh, whether they will allow for some sort of extensions and um, and delays uh, excusable delays and if whether they will waive penalties and i would say this is space to watch but i would say it's not uh, it's not unreasonable to expect that there will be either at the business level or at the government level there will be some mandates uh, that will encourage businesses to provide further concessions and uh, waive penalties uh, to accommodate for this um, you know for, for, the, for the current challenges we're facing for the record, this podcast is recorded on March the 11th, 2020. Ludmilla Yamalova is the managing partner at the legal firm Yamalova & Pleska here in Dubai. Thank you. Sound advice as always. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Tim. That's another edition of Logical. Each week we cover legal issues, legal news and much more. As always, you can go to lylawyers.com. There's so much there on the website on a whole range of legal issues, loads of free legal advice. If you'd like a legal consultation, you can simply click the contact button or WhatsApp to 00971 Until next time, stay well.